Well, it's so good to see you all today. My name is Stephen. I'm one of the pastors around here. And uh, I now, <laughs> thank you. <laughs> Anyone else? Yeah. My, uh, <laughs> my wife and I now have uh, a nine-month-old, which is a wild adventure. Uh, anyone else uh, have a baby under a year old? What, yeah, it's okay. So that's why, why you're clapping. You know, I have a nine-month. <laughs> man, oh man, once you recover from the sleepless nights, uh, it gets a lot better. It, uh, it really does accelerate. I see some nods over here. But uh, Ellie is her name, our daughter Ellie. And she is at a point right now, at right about nine months old, where she's uh, looking, she's sitting up straight, she's crawling a little bit, she's starting to crawl. Uh, really, she wants to walk. I think she's going to run before she crawls. And uh, she's doing all these fun things. She's eating solid food, uh, things that I take for granted. I'm used to eating solid food, solid sugar, really, and um, uh, salt here and there, all the good stuff. But Ellie is starting to uh, develop, and she's starting to form. And one of the things that I love experiencing is that she's starting to say dada. Now, she has no idea what dada is. I'm dada, Hannah is dada, the car is dada, food is dada, the refrigerator is dada, everything is dada. Um, but, but there's one time, it was maybe two or three weeks ago, I was standing out on the, 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 the patio out there, and I knew that Hannah had gone to pick up Ellie from the nursery. And so I walk out and I hear a baby, and I know that that's not my baby, and I hear another baby, and I know that's not my baby, and then all of a sudden, I'm looking one direction and I hear Ellie, and I hear her babbling, and I hear her saying, Dada. And what I really heard was actually, da 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 She doesn't know when to stop. It's just da da just ongoing, da 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 and maybe you have a voice as well that is so profound in your mind that when you hear it, you know it. Just like when I hear Ellie's voice, I know in a sea of babies, I can hear 15 babies and that, I know that voice. Maybe it's uh, your mom or dad picking you up from school when you were a kid and you hear, hey, let's go. Time to go, bud. I know that's my dad calling me. Maybe it's playing on the park, you're crossing the monkey bars and you hear mom say, good job, hon, and she's clapping you on, and you know my mom is proud of me because I just did the monkey bars. Maybe it's on a baseball or football or soccer field, and you hear, keep your head down, playing baseball, and you're like, ah, there's a sea of people cheering different things, but I know that one voice. We all have these voices that we're drawn to. Is that fair to say? Is there a voice where you just went? Did your mind just go to a place where you recognize a voice? Well, in our passage today, the title is The Sweetest a voice, because there's one voice in a sea of voices. There's one voice that John is going to tell us in chapter 10. There's one that stands out as sweeter than all the rest. In a sea of voices, there's so many different ways that we can hear all these different things, but there's one voice that is sweeter than all the others. Probably not saying da-da, 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 but, but there's one voice that really stands out as sweeter than all the rest. So here's our big idea. It says this, in a world of competing voices, there is nothing sweeter than hearing and following the voice of Jesus. Let me pray for us and we'll jump into the text. God, thank you for being so good to us. God, thank you for using your voice to call us. Thank you for using your voice to encourage us, to show us your love, and God, thanks for uh, going above and beyond just using your voice. God, as we're going to see in your word today, um, thank you for giving us the gift of yourself. God, show us what it looks like to be called as your sheep. Show us what it looks like to trust your voice and not follow another voice. God, go before us as we open your word today. Speak to us through this text. We pray this all for your glory and for our joy. Amen. So here's John 10, it says this, truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, 
but cleansed in another way, that man is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the gatekeeper opens, the sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he's brought out all his own, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. This figure of speech Jesus used with them, but they did not understand what he was saying to them. When we trust Jesus, we know his voice. Sheep hear the voice of the shepherd, and they follow him. Here's where it is in the text. There are people trying to ravage the flock. That's the first thing John's going to point out to us. Now, I do need to point out real quick in the text, he starts off with truly, truly. There is really no transition from chapter 9. Last week, Todd handled an entire chapter. Um, We are thankful that he did not handle a chapter and a half uh, with how long he went last week. He could have gone longer if you wanted to give this all in one. But really, this text is completely connected to the previous text of last week where a man is born blind, Jesus heals him, he's sent to the pool of Siloam and he's sent and he's sent and he's sent and now there's something going on with the Pharisees where they cast him out of the temple, they cast him out of their sheepfolds and now Jesus, without transition, without a bridge, he goes straight into truly, truly I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door but climbs in another way is a thief and robber. But he who enters by the door is a shepherd of the sheep. There are a lot of characters at play here, and, and, and I'll, I'll, be, I'll, I'll be honest, I, I spent a lot of time trying to figure out, is there a specific person for each character in this story? Um, I, maybe there is. If there is, and you think so, and you can draw a strong connection, then feel free to talk to me after. But really, I think that I spent so much time on that, it got in the way of what Jesus is actually communicating to us. So I tried to fill in all these characters, but really, I think it's just this tension between the Pharisees and Jesus. The Pharisees and Jesus are now having this dialogue where Jesus is saying, it feels like he's calling them the thieves and robbers. He's saying there are people who come into the sheepfolds who don't belong there. I'm allowed to walk through my front door. I'm allowed to walk through my garage door and go into my house. But if I hear someone in the middle of the night knocking on the window, trying to get in through the window or trying to get in through my back door, they do not belong there. They do not have my best interest in mind. They do not have the best interest of my family in mind. They are coming in for a different reason. They're coming to ravage my possessions, my family, whatever they're there to ravage. They do not have positive intentions. But in here, it's the exact same. We have robbers and thieves coming to ravage the flock. Maybe they're here to just shear off the wool. Maybe they're there for meat. Maybe they're there for uh, sheep milk, which is the thing. I had no idea, so I Googled it. Sheep milk is a thing. Some people, has anyone ever tried sheep milk? I have no desire. Uh, Sheep cheese. Okay, sheep and goat. Goat cheese is a little different, but uh, yeah, very interesting. I hope it was delicious. (laughs) I'm not going to try it. I'm lactose intolerant. Um, Where was I? Man, what a world. So uh, Milk, that's where I was. (laughs) Thanks, Johnny. (laughs) So there are people trying to sneak in and they have malicious intent. And Jesus is calling it out. Again, who is he talking to? There's no bridge from chapter 9. Who is he talking to? The Pharisees who just cast this blind guy out, who can now see, they just cast him out, and he's now addressing them saying, there are people trying to get to my flock. They don't belong there. Let's see what he goes on to. Who is this flock? We see Jesus is calling the church to himself. Who is this flock? If you've been around the church for a while, you've probably heard this phrase, uh, we're sheep, we're a flock. Uh, church used in a lot of ways pretty similarly. But so Jesus is building his flock here. He's calling his sheep together. The sheep hear his voice. 
not the voice of the thief and robber. He he they hear his voice and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. A couple interesting things there. In that culture, there were whistles. They would whistle for their sheep. A shepherd would whistle. My wife and I spent some time in New Zealand for our, uh, our honeymoon, um, and uh, we got to do some back roads and hiking on these, like, super far-out mountains, and it was a ton of fun. But we had to spend, I want to say, like, two or three hours driving in a huge RV uh, through these mountain roads that were completely dirt. And I realized we were super far out there when I started driving through pastures of sheep. And I looked around and no other humans were there, but there were just tons and tons of sheep. And they'd blow a whistle, the shepherd would blow a whistle, and the dogs knew that means cattle drive. It means sheep drive, we're sheep herding, we're moving these, we're pushing these sheep somewhere. That's not exactly what's happening here. It's not just a generic whistle that it goes out to everyone. What's happening here is Jesus knows his sheep. He's calling out to his sheep, not by a whistle, it's not a y'all, it's a Stephen. It's a Caleb. It's a Hannah. It's a, they're calling you by name, saying it's time to go. And it's important to know he's, they're not pushing them out. He's not pushing the sheep. When he has brought out all his own, he goes before them. And the sheep are pushed by him. No, the sheep follow him. Why? Because they know his voice. They're so familiar with their shepherd. These sheep know the voice of the shepherd. In a similar way, we are drawn to the voice of Jesus. When Jesus calls, we hear. When he speaks, we, we perk up. Dada, Ellie's over there. I know him. I know that voice. I'm familiar with that voice. Hey, bud, time to go. I, someone else's dad said something else to his kid, but I know that voice. I'm going to follow that voice. My dad said time to go. It's time to go. The sheep hear his voice, and he calls out his own sheep. By name, something interesting um, that does imply they're already his sheep. He's not going and saying, hey, you are now my sheep. Just an interesting thing to note there. He's calling out his own sheep by name and leading them out. When he's brought out all his own, he goes before them. And the sheep follow him for they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow, but they'll flee from him for they don't know the voice of strangers. Is that abundantly clear to anyone? Like, was that, like, as, as clear? Jesus now gives us this weird parable, this weird story that, yeah, Jesus, that's a timeless truth. That is correct. That is how shepherding works. Anything else to add? So now, verse 6 makes a little more sense where this figure of speech Jesus used, but they did not understand what he was saying to them. He's giving them this timeless truth about shepherding. Cool, Jesus, yeah, I'm aware. That is how shepherding works. Thank you for that note on this, you carpenter. Why are you telling me, a sheep herd, or like someone who's actually familiar with this culture, why are you telling us this random timeless truth? Do you realize that this guy's blind and now he sees and now you want to talk about shepherds and sheep? What's the point? They did not understand, but how could they? A shepherd Calls out to his sheep, and a sheep hear his voice. A stranger they do not follow. So now on the opposite end of the coin, they don't, these Pharisees, these thieves and robbers, they don't know the voice of Jesus. Why? They're not his sheep. That's what he's trying to get us to see here. They're not his sheep. There are sheep who follow my voice. But if you're not following my voice, if you're not hearing and following my voice, what's the implication here? You're not my sheep. Let's see what else he says. Again, they did not understand how could they. The sheep hear his voice. He calls his own sheep by name 
all his own. He goes before them. A stranger they're not going to follow for they don't know the voice of strangers. I call my sheep. I don't call the other sheep. Just like someone else has other shepherds and other, or other shepherds have other sheep, they call theirs and theirs aren't going to respond to him. Jesus is making it clear there's a division here and he's saying I'm circling the troops. I'm rallying the troops. There is a small group at this point, a small group of his own sheep. But he's calling them and they follow. Jesus is calling out. He's inviting his sheep to come assemble. Come follow him. Come follow me. We are ready. We're preparing. Jesus is building his church now. He's calling, inviting his church. There is opposition. We'll see in the next text. There is opposition. Even right here, the thieves and robbers are coming. They're sneaking in a different way. There is absolutely opposition to the church that Jesus is building. But my shepherd, my sheep, know my voice and they follow. When I call, they assemble, they hear, they follow, and there is something big happening. But they didn't understand. So when we trust Jesus, we know and follow his voice. Where do we follow his voice to? He's going to call it the abundant life. But what this is, is his voice draws us into the good life. We don't follow scammers. We follow Jesus into the good life. I have a phone that is uh, super futuristic. Um, I mean, it's not that super futuristic, but uh, it's called an iPhone. I mean, we have the world in our pocket. It is insane what phones can do these days. But when I get a phone call from a scammer, which for some reason is happening almost every day now, uh, maybe I did something wrong. That's a question for Wes, our IT guy who knows everything about anything technology. Uh, help me, Wes. I get a phone call from someone who I don't want to talk to them, and it says scam likely. Have you guys had this? The scam likely phone call. Thank you, Apple, for telling me this. Maybe Androids do it too. I'm not here to judge. But my, my iPhone will say scam likely. I never answer it. <laughs> what a thought. I don't want to talk to them. It's so much better these days where I'm not picking up a landline and, hello, who is this? Oh, well, you just won a million dollars. Great. Thank you. The end. Click. It tells, it tells me scam likely right off the bat, so I don't have to waste my time listening to it. And it's very clear what, who, who the scammers are. It's my phone tells me who the scammers are, so I don't have to waste my time with them. Jesus here, in a similar way, he says, so Jesus said again, truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door. All who came before me are thieves and robbers. But when the phone popped up and said, scam likely, the sheep did not listen to them. In a perfect world, we could see heresy. Johnny pointed out a video uh, a couple weeks back in his sermon uh, of a guy who was literally claiming, hey, if this makes me a heretic, then call me a heretic. Yes, it makes you a heretic. Yes, what you're saying, you are a heretic. You cannot say these things and still be part of the flock. This is explicitly exclusive from the flock. You are not part of the flock. If I'm a heretic, well then, call me a heretic. If only everyone in life, every idea, every ideology, every, every worldview came with that warning as clearly as it did in the video Johnny showed us. If only. But here what it comes down to is we need to be so aware of the voice of Jesus, that when someone else comes along, when a scammer comes along and our phone doesn't pop up and say scam likely, we can still catch the scams. We're still so accustomed, we're still so tuned to that voice. There's a voice that we're so familiar with that, no, that doesn't sound like it. No, that's someone else's dad talking to them. No, that's someone else's kid. That's someone else's encouragement from the sidelines. That's not an encouragement for me. That's, that's something else. I recognize the voice of the father. I recognize the voice of the sheep, the shepherd. But I'm not going to follow the, the thieves and robbers. The sheep don't listen to him. 
again, if only, <laughs> if only in our world there could be like, I, maybe we're going this direction, who knows, with technology these days. But if there was like a sign that popped up that said like, scam likely, right over someone's head when they're about to lie to your face. <laughs> you know, <laughs> probably. <laughs> I was listening to a weird podcast with Mark Zuckerberg. This is off topic. I'm going to do other anyway. I was listening to a weird podcast with Mark Zuckerberg. You know who that is? Created Facebook. And he said that there's a really good chance in the next handful of years, he said three to five years, he thinks we're going to have such wild technological advances that we're actually going to be living more in the virtual world than the real world. I don't think so. I hope not. <laughs> I love real world more than the virtual world. But that's where his hypothesis is going. God, please, <laughs> you know, don't let him come to fruition. But in a world like that, you could even have scams like, but again, in our world, we don't have that. So what do we do? We draw, we're drawn to the voice of Jesus. And we're going to unpack what that looks like in a second here. But, but the ones who went before him, the thieves and robbers, the sheep, they knew the shepherds, so they didn't follow the thieves. He leads us to the best life imaginable. He leads us to the best possible, the, the good life. He takes us to where he knows is best. If I was a sheep, thankfully I'm not a sheep, uh, literally speaking, uh, I love human life. <laughs> Being a sheep would be weird, right? But um, I'm so thankful that we have opportunities to think and walk and decide where we want to eat. We have our own will to decide what we want to do in a lot of ways. But in this, uh, a sheep, the shepherd is leading them. They don't know where to go. They'll literally circle around and they will literally eat their own excrements if they don't have a shepherd. This is a true fact. They will literally eat their own excrements if they don't have a shepherd leading them somewhere. He leads them not to just circle around in their own garbage, but he's taking them somewhere. Where is he taking them? I'm the door. If anyone enters by me, he'll be saved and go in and out. I'm pastor. The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. But on the other hand, I, Jesus, came that the sheep, that they may have life and have it abundantly. Jesus is calling them to the good life. I have echoings here of Psalm 23, write it down for the future reference if you care, of Exodus 34, the shepherd that is leading them to the promise. There, there are a lot of good things going on in the background here, but, but here Jesus is calling his sheep, he's inviting his sheep, he's explaining this, that the sheep who hear my voice and the sheep who follow me have a good thing coming. There are a couple of important things here. If you enter, you'll be saved. Oh, You'll go in and out and find pasture. You'll have life. You'll have it abundantly. What are we saved to, folks? When we hear the voice of Jesus, when we're drawn to the voice of Jesus, when we follow the voice of Jesus, we are saved. Enter by the door. There are so many doors these days. And I'm not talking about uh, let's make a deal. Is that the right reference? Yeah, let's make it easy. I'm not saying door number one, there's a magic car, a magic car, a normal car, or a magic, ooh, even better. There's, there, the, door number one is a car. Door number two is a uh, Cancun vacation, all-inclusive. Door number three is an, an armoire. Good for you. It's not like that. It's what's the best option here. It's, there's a good option, and then there's one that leads to destruction. The thief comes to steal and kill and destroy. One thing to note there as well is, I, historically, I've always read that and thought immediately of Satan. The, the opposer, the adversary. That is true in this past, that is true of him. He does come to steal, kill, and destroy. But again, the thief, who is he talking to in this context? He's talking to the people who've come before and promoted a different gospel, a different message. Those who have come before and said, no, this, 
this is going to lead you to the good life. Scam likely. This is what will deliver. This is what will deliver ultimate happiness. This is how you can live the good life. And Jesus says, no, my sheep don't follow him. I go before my sheep and I save my sheep. I'm going to go in and out and find pasture for the sheep. I came that the sheep may have life and have it abundant. The good life. The green pastures. The, 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 the land to graze on with fresh grass, with waters, still waters running through the good life at pasture safe with Jesus. Follow the voice of the Father. He goes on. There are other voices that lead to destruction. They're thieves. I already talked about that. Oops, what are you going to do? Other voices lead to destruction. So here we go. Point three, what we have so far is Jesus is collecting his church. He's calling out to his church. He's saying, assemble. (laughs) He's saying, here we go. The sheep hear my voice. We are going somewhere, folks. Where is he leading them? He's leading them to the good life. Now, how does he do it? What he's doing is he's calling his church. Why is he calling his church? He's calling them to experience the good life, to be safe with him safe from all adversaries, safe with him to experience the good life, to go in and out and find pasture. How does he do this? It takes a great work and great authority to give us this good life. Here's one you've probably read before. Verse 11 says, I'm the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who's a hired hand and not a shepherd who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. The wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he's a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. Huh. Again, there's opposition. Again, there's an opponent to this church. There are people on the prowl who are here to ravage and scare and worry and destroy the sheep. But Jesus does something pretty cool here. When others who we've trusted his church with, when others who have come before and claimed that he has trusted his church with them, false claims, when other people have come to be the false leader of the church, Jesus does something radical. Takes a great work and great authority. He lays down his life. Verse 15, just as the Father knows me and I know the Father, I lay down my life for the sheep. The hired hand ran. The hired hand said, no way, there's a wolf, I'm out. Wolves are really scary. Grizzly bears are really scary. (laughs) Very, yeah, they're terrifying. (laughs) Bears are scary. Wolves are even scarier. They are so ready to just devour. Wolf snatches them and scatters them if they're left without a good shepherd. But the good shepherd, the one who calls us by name, the one who calls us by name to be saved, to go in and out of pasture, to the abundant life, that shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He says it twice here. He says it another time in 17, for this reason the Father loves me, because I lay down my own life. 18, but I lay it down. I have authority to lay it down. Folks, you have any idea what the, passage, what the idea of the thrust of this passage is? He just told us five times. I'm building my church. I'm calling you out by name. I'm calling you to follow me. I'm calling you to follow me to the good life, this abundant life, to be safe in it, Pastor, with Jesus. How? Five times. 
going to do it by laying my life down. There's an extreme cost for us to experience this life at pastor with him. Not only does he lay his life down, but he also takes it back up again. You probably read ahead. You probably saw that. But he lays his life down to take it up again. I was doing a little thought experiment this week um, for minutes at a time. But it was very interesting to think about what it would be like to be a sheep without a shepherd. I think that's biblical. I think that's an idea. We, We don't want around like sheep without a shepherd. We have a good shepherd right here. But what, what would it be like to have a sheep without a shepherd who died for us? Thanks, Jesus, for dying for us. But what do we do now? That's not the picture he gives us. He doesn't say, I laid my life down for you. Good luck. What happens here is I laid my life down so that I can pick it back up. I laid my life down that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me. But I lay it down on my own accord. I have authority, Jesus, to lay it down and I have authority to take it up again. He's not only a good shepherd, he is an extremely powerful, extremely authoritative pastor, an extremely authoritative shepherd. We have a good, good shepherd, a good, good father, a good, powerful, authoritative pastor, shepherd, ultimate pastor, senior pastor, Jesus, who has the authority not to lay down his life. Notice, he's the actor here. He's the one who's active. He is the one who's laying his life down. No one does it to him. He's not passive. He's not being, uh, his knife isn't being taken from him. He's giving it down, and he is the one raising it back up. Again, we, we see him building his church. Against all opposition, he's building. He's building. He's not done. There's more to come. He's building. He's building. He's building. He's building it for the good life, to take us to the good life. And it took an extreme sacrifice. It took an extreme thing. He's not done. It's easy to look at that and when the wolves come, be just like that hired hand. Be just like that helper who says, oh, I'm out. That's scary. I'm done. But no, Jesus says, nope. I'm going to lay it down. I'm going to lay it down. I'm going to lay it down. I'll say it five times. I'm going to lay it down. I'm going to lay it down that I can pick it back up again. Ah, we have a powerful, safe, good, good shepherd who has good things. This was the plan all along. It's not an afterthought. Again, he's expressing this unique relationship that he has with the Father, that the Pharisees are saying, I am of Moses. I am a disciple of Moses. You, blind man, you are a disciple of Jesus. I'm of Moses. Again, thinking that they have this unique relationship with the Father, Jesus again. Nope. I have that relationship with the Father. I am the one who has this voice, the sweetest voice. And it comes to me from the Father. The Father has declared this over me. He's charged me with this. So what do we do with all this? What they did is they said, he's a demon. (laughs) Classic. (laughs) There was a great division among the Jews a lot of them said, he has a demon and he's insane. Why listen to him? Others said, these are not the words of one who's oppressed. Can a demon open the eyes of a blind? I think in our world today, we're faced with the same dilemma. We're same with this, faced with the same dichotomy. Some see Jesus, some hear the voice and say, there is nothing better. There is nothing better than following this man. There's nothing better than following this sweet, sweet voice to pasture. And there are others on the other hand. This man's insane. What a kook. 
There's no way I'm listening to this guy. He is crazy. Again, with the history that they have with him, there's a blind guy who can now see standing right in front of them who they just cast out of their temple, and he's looking at them saying, you are welcome in my flock. They're kicking him out of their flock. Jesus is saying, you're welcome in my flock. And they see that and they say, this man is insane. Again, the scammers, scam likely phone call is saying, this man is insane. Why would you ever listen to him? Why would you ever follow this crazy man? What good has he ever done for you? What good is it in following him? This man is insane. He has a demon. Why would you listen to him? Because we've heard his voice. He is not insane. And he's leading us to the good life. He's our protector. He is leading us to pasture. Ah, We're faced with a similar dilemma here. Similar division in our world today. With oppressors coming. With people from the outside coming in saying, y'all are insane. Jesus is building his church. I look around at our culture today, again, to reference Johnny's video for the second time, there is a lot of opposition coming against the church. Anyone feel it? <laughs> is anything just like hunky-dory in here? No, I mean, you look at the, uh, the church, the global church, the American church, whatever it may be, you look at the local churches around and the last two years have been insane. Before that, we had other opposition against the church. Right now, even, uh, dare I say, I won't say it, but like, COVID is starting to come to an end. Uh, I won't say post anything. But even as we come out of that and we are now looking at what does the American church look like today, I can't help but worry sometimes. And Jesus is right there saying, I'm not done. Just wait. Yes, you're downtrodden. Yes, you're weary. I'm taking my sheep to shepherd. I'm taking my sheep to pasture. I'm taking my sheep to the good life and nothing can come against it. So a couple takeaways. Oh man, I've gone so long. I'm sorry, y'all. Could you just imagine if Chapman tried to handle all this in one? You're welcome. Yeah, I went long, but you're welcome. In a world full of loud voices, Jesus is still calling out to build his church. He's not done yet. I look at that. My sophomore year of high school, I went to a Christian school. And uh, I remember sitting with my sophomore Bible teacher. He was telling us how to hear the voice of God. And I just kept thinking, I've never heard the voice of God. I was raised in the church, and I kept thinking, I've never heard his voice before. What do I do? How do I do this? And so I went with him for uh, office hours, which was just, we got lunch together during class one time, or during, during, uh, during school one time. And uh, he said, you know what, Stephen, here's the answer. You just need to go and sit in your prayer closet for 30 minutes every single morning. And what did I do? I went and sat in my prayer closet for 30 minutes every single morning. And what happened? I didn't hear a thing. Folks, we're looking for this supernatural voice. Yeah, baby. He wrote us a book. The sheep know his voice. There happens to be a prime vehicle that God has chosen to communicate with his people called the Bible. Folks, when we see opposition, when we see other voices coming in, we compare it to the voice of the good shepherd. Oh, he's so, so good. This is what I love about life groups here at RCC. The encouragement isn't go sit in your prayer closet for 30 minutes every day and see what happens. It's come and think about what, is God, what God is communicating to us. What is God telling us? Let's get accustomed. Let's train our ears. Let's train our eyes. As opposed to the blind and deaf that Jesus is dealing with here, the ones who can't hear his voice and can't see, they're so hardened, we get to open our eyes and ears to the voice of Jesus. Oh, it is so sweet. He's not done. We trust 
that the voice of Jesus brings us to safety, to pasture, to the abundant life. The good life. It's safe. It's never ending green pastures, provision, and it is abundant. It is the abundant life. If other voices are still loud, cling to them. Keep clinging to Jesus until your ear has become finely tuned to hear his voice. Keep clinging to Jesus. And just like the division in the last paragraph we saw, just like the division, this man's crazy, this man is actually from God, the good shepherd begs a response. I'm going to fly through this quote, so sorry. I know I talk fast, but here's even faster. This is from a guy named C.S. Lewis. I'm trying here to prevent anyone from saying the really foolish thing that people often say about Jesus. I'm ready to accept him as a good moral teacher, great moral teacher, but I don't accept his claim to be God. That's something we must not say. A man who was merely a man and said the sort of things Jesus said would not be a great moral teacher. He would be either a lunatic on the level with a man who says he's a poached egg or else he would be the devil of hell. You must make your choice. Either this man was and is the son of God, like the blind man said, or else a madman or something worse. You can shut him up for a fool, you can spit at him and kill him as a demon, or you can fall at his feet and call him Lord and God. Let us not come with any patronizing nonsense about being a great human teacher. He's not left that open to us. He didn't intend to. He's either a Lord or a liar and a lunatic. The good shepherd begs a response, who is he? Is he the sweetest voice? Is he the voice that we call out to, that we hear, the shepherd who we trust to lead us to the good life, or is he just a crazy man? Folks, if you're wrestling with that decision, I think it's important to, uh, to keep wrestling. Keep listening. Keep hanging around this community. He's a good, good shepherd. He's a good, good savior who not only laid his life down but had the power to take it back up. That's the God we trust, the God we listen to. That's the sweetest voice. God, thank you for your goodness. Thank you for the ways that you continue to speak to us. God, teach us every day how to understand and read, and see, and listen to your voice more and more clearly. God, show us what it looks like to be drawn to pasture by you. God, you're not forcing us. You're not shoving us. You're not cattle driving us. You're not sheep herding us. You're gently calling us by name. God, keep calling us by name and encourage us when we look around and feel like the church is uh, on the decline. God, remind us that you're not done. Help us trust you more in that. Pray this all for your glory and for our joy in the journey. Amen.